Hi, I'm Katrina Daniel, and welcome to Primetime Crime, a podcast for people who want to know what goes on behind the scenes of the most notorious trending crime stories and what's going on in the minds of those involved in those stories. What are the detectives, the judges, the defense attorneys, and the prosecutors thinking? You'll hear it all on Primetime Crime, the podcast. This is Primetime Crime. I'm Katrina Daniel, and drum roll, please. The moment you've apparently all been waiting for, the Depp Heard defamation trial verdict is in. And Depp wins, sort of. The jury ogled his poor severed finger and awarded him millions in damages. And that's a whole nother story. Interesting that in a world where there's a brutal ongoing war in Ukraine, horrific mass shooting of small children and their teachers in Texas, turns out what most people are most interested in are two Hollywood A-listers who battled it out in court, exposing literally their nastiness, neuroses, and venom for all the world to see. The beautiful and doubted Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, the drug-addled bad boy so many women swoon for, an aging Captain Jack. He sued her for defamation because she wrote an article purporting to be an abuse victim. And although she didn't name him outright, he obviously felt put upon and singled out because he had been married to her. Or, optimistically, he felt shame. Unlikely. Or, here's one, he's desperate for publicity because it's not like there's a lot out there for aging fat pirate wannabes. Ouch. Not sorry. Reese's. Joining me today, Elise Targ, a veteran and a very tough former state prosecutor with what might be considered too much experience in a sordid corner of the crime world. Apparently the jury really absorbed, digested those statements and gave the indication that they rejected Amber Heard, I mean, completely, just about. We'll get to our case momentarily. But this is a major victory for him. I can say that I am very shocked and surprised by the nature of this, by the fact that the jury concluded after hearing this that she would be liable uh, for defamatory statements as to all three, right? Reminding $10 million is the compensatory. If you just noted, though, just a brief technical point, apparently punitive damages, which are designed to punish, right? Remember the distinction. Compensatory damages are designed to make you whole. Money you lost as a result of the defamatory statement, right? Compensatory $10 million, there's a cap in Virginia for $350,000. My guest today is one of my closest friends and one of my smartest friends, and that's a pretty high bar, I got to tell you. Elise, thanks so much for joining us. First of all, tell me what your specialty was, what you focused on at the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office. For 10 years, I was the assistant chief of the domestic crimes unit of the State Attorney's Office. What that meant was that I reviewed every single felony domestic crimes arrest report that came into our unit. And I basically, based upon statements that paralegals took, I made the filing decision on every case as to whether to file, what to file, or not to file. And we saw about 15 to maybe 30 domestic felony violence cases a day. A day? A day. Holy crap. Tell me, just as a prosecutor, how 
frustrating it was for you sometimes when women who were seriously battered refused to press charges or didn't show up to testify or went running right back? It happened very frequently. I can't tell you how many times I got cursed at. Yes, I was going to tell bring that up because we had that discussion before. I got cursed at. I've been called a bitch and all sorts of names when I very would say to the women, I don't believe you. You have injuries. Other people saw things. And they would say, no, it didn't happen. And I would, it, I would try to talk to the women. I would say, is this what you want your children to see? And let them think it's normal. And they just wouldn't talk. And unless you had other evidence, in most cases, you couldn't force them to do anything. Right. What other evidence might you have that could bring a case to, to a trial? Um, if you had other witnesses, which frequently you did not, yeah. if when the police had come on the scene, the guy was still there, the woman would say spontaneously, my husband hit me, and she had marks. You had a spontaneous statement. Um, there was very, a lot of times there was very little we could go on. Yeah, yeah. And that was mainly the most time. Occasionally the defendant would admit it, but generally that was very infrequently. But in most, in so many cases, we could take no action. The only thing we did sometimes is if the defendant had no priors, we could talk to the woman about getting him into a pretrial diversion program where he could get counseling. And that sometimes helped. But most cases, no, we could do nothing. That just must be frustrating as all hell. I'm sorry. It just is. It was terrible. It was very, very frustrating. Again, especially when you had children involved. Yeah. Because you knew they were going to grow up thinking that this was normal. And they were going to be, grow up with no respect for their mothers or their fathers. And they, again, they would think it was normal. And, and they would not. copy that behavior. There's a good chance of the, you know, them doing that when they grow up. I Definitely. And that's one of the things I found with women that were battered. They yeah. came from families where they had seen the violence and they thought all the all men were like this. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Um, it being a case of defamation, but all kinds of horrible stuff about the couple came out. I, it's just I don't I'd be humiliated if, if I were Amber Heard. What is your take on Amber Heard and her testimony? How did she strike you as a veteran prosecutor? What'd you think? I didn't think she came across great. And that was basically because Camille was a fabulous cross-examiner. That's what everybody says. Fabulous. Really? Tell me why. That's the uh, Camille Vasquez, Johnny Depp's um, young attorney. Incredible. Um, interestingly enough, the one thing I want to bring out that I found interesting is she was wearing white a lot or light colors, which I think made her want to appear not as strong. But she knew every one of Amber Heard's um, statements that she could, she knew every time Amber Heard had said something different, she had the exact page and line with which to impeach her. Interesting. So she's as she, they say she is. I thought she was fabulous. The only thing I could think of when I saw her was, thank God I never came up against an attorney like her in trial. Wow, really? She, oh, no, I thought she was one of the best. She had every impeachment. She was able to impeach Amber with almost everything Amber Heard said. But I did believe that Amber was battered. 
All right, yeah, to explain that, we discussed that a little bit earlier. You believe that Amber Heard was a battered woman, but isn't an abused no. woman, or maybe I'm confusing it. No, she was battered, but I don't think she met what I found to be battered women. Okay. Because I no doubt he, with between all the drugs and alcohol, he beat her. He hit her. Yeah. And the an interesting sidelight, too, that I wanted to mention was when the police officers said they didn't see the marks on her face when they first came, marks can take a while to show up. It's the same thing as if I bang into my foot into the uh, table, the mark won't show up for another day. Yeah. That's the one thing I thought when the police officer said, no, we didn't see those marks. There's no doubt in my mind she was hit. When I think of the battered women I've seen, um, I, they all had a lot in common. One, generally, the defendant has kept them separate from all their family. He's made them isolate themselves. So they tend to not have family or friends. He's convinced them that they are nothing without him and that he is the only one yeah. who will ever care for her or love her. Yeah. Some of them, a lot of them are from other countries where the man is convinced that the woman is his property. Yes. So that's normal. Other ones, which we've already discussed, she's grown up seeing the violence. So she feels it's normal. Other cases, the woman has no money or means mm -hmm. to leave him. Other ones, the man has threatened her. Um, I'll kill you. I'll kill your family. I'll yep. kill the children if you ever leave me. Yeah. And I didn't see any of these with Amber Heard. I think she still had a lot of friends. She had money. She had the wherewithal to leave. So yeah. that's why, I, to me, she was differentiated. But I still think he batted her. Yeah. And I still think he raped her. You know, the things she yeah. said with the bottle yeah. made a lot of sense. But she's got a hard row to hoe because his attorneys were so good and I wasn't impressed with hearts. Yeah, that was my next question. What did you think of her female attorney? She was kind of like motherly, grandmotherly, neutral. I had more issues with her male attorney who questioned death because the key in your, when you're cross-examining, a witness, you should only ask them questions that they could answer yes or no. And he asked so many questions where he gave Depp such a chance to talk and to expound that yeah. Depp came across sounding really good. And then her, the male attorney sounded really poorly when he asked Johnny, when he showed Johnny Depp the um, divorce decree and three times he kept on saying to him, and you signed your name here, and you signed your name here, where finally Depp said, you've asked me this three or four times. So they came across as not very, not as good as Johnny Depp's right. attorneys, and right. that could hurt. Yeah. But one good. other thing I want to mention that was, I read someplace that really got to me, is Depp never sued the Washington Post. He just sued Amber Heard. Well, he also sued, he lost a case in Britain against the Daily Telegraph or the Daily Mail, whatever right. it was. He lost that case. Right. But I, he still, this is the United States where the rules are a little different. He never went after the Post, which made me feel that he was also being very vindictive. Well, anybody who says in his text, which I find interesting that no one is holding against him, that he's going to screw her after she's dead just to make sure that she's dead and then burn her and drown her. I think yeah. he's pretty vindictive. Yeah.
what do you make of women's and the audience and the fans overwhelming support for I'm sorry, I think he's an abuser. Yes, and I think the women, the people that were screaming and cursing Amber should be ashamed of themselves. I completely agree. But remember, celebrities get away with murder. Look at O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Celebrities get away with murder. Bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't understand the fascination with Johnny Depp. A lot of people do. He's just so weird looking. I can't look at him. I never saw any of the movies, and I have no desire to. He's a creepy guy that appeals to a lot of women, which is interesting in and of yeah. itself, psychologically, you know? I don't get it. But in term, it's funny because in terms of defamation, I don't know if he's lost money or not. But when you look at the crowds, it's certainly <laughs> there for him. So how has he lost anything? But I will tell you, the jury, it's, gonna, it's hard to be a juror because the jury instructions are really hard to understand. I had trouble understanding them. Why are they hard to understand? I think they talk, there's some legalese in there. Um, I think there's a lot just to understand. There's a lot to comprehend because when you're dealing with um, defamation against a public figure, you have to look at malice. There's a lot going on because there's different layers. I think you have to look at the layers as to, do they believe her or not? And then you have to go further. Well, if you believe her or not, then was she acting with actual, was there malice? And then you have to look at, are there any damages? So I think there's so many multi-level issues there that it's very hard for a jury of non-lawyers. I think it would be hard for lawyers, but I think for non-lawyers, yeah. it's very hard too. How do you think the testimonies from these people, like um, Ellen Barkin and some of the other people that have been talking to the media and saying, you know, I dated Johnny Depp and he was always very possessive, very jealous and so on. Does the jury hear this? How does that affect the outcome of of something like this? Well, it's like you have one saying, yes, he was violent, one saying no. It backs up Amber's testimony in some ways and not in others. It's just who they choose to believe. Right. I just worry again that because he's so famous and so many people think he's great that that will affect the jurors. Yep, I agree. Now, interestingly, not a lot of men think he's great, just a lot of women. I think women are harder on women, but the issue also is a lot of women will say, why is she taking it? I would never let it happen to me. So they judge women by their own standards and not by the circumstances the woman has, the other woman has found herself in. That's a really good statement. And I find myself extremely guilty of that all the time. Me too. So that's why I, I can understand it. Yeah. What do you make of the jury still being out at this, at this point in time, at this recording? I mean, they didn't come in with a slam bang verdict. You know, they've been out uh, about four days now. Very, very difficult jury instructions and a lot of testimony that they have to weigh and discuss. Okay. How's this going to affect other women who are going to come forward against guys that may be more well-known, wealthier, more powerful, and that's been a Me Too thing forever? I think it's a chilling effect. If Unless you have two or three women come out at the same time for just one, it's a chilling effect. I think any woman if it, is going to be afraid to come out against someone who's famous and well-known. Yeah. Let me tell you something also. Men a lot of these men who are abusers or sexual abusers, they know who to pick on. They yeah. know the woman 
yeah. who they can get away with it with. Yeah. And they will go to only certain women and not others. Like no man will yeah. ever mess with you, Katrina. No, no. For no. me. But or you. the men can spot yes. the victim. Yes, it's a predator. They're predators and they, they're looking for people with a prey vibe. Yes, and they'll find them. Can you give us a, a quick breakdown of what a typical predator is? The predator is just a man who will be able to find a woman who probably has weaknesses or insecurities and will be able to play on those insecurities so that she becomes dependent on him. And I think it's something that they just, it's like a sixth sense. It's like intrinsic. They can zoom in on that person. They really can. It's the same if you look at the priest's abuse cases. They knew right. which young boys they could prey on. Wow. Um, it's just the sixth sense. In many cases where I used to do sex batteries, it was terrible to say these victims were not, they had been victims of abuse beforehand because the, the predators knew who were the weak ones or who were the ones who would be susceptible. And who would be damaged. Yeah, yeah, and who they could get. That's a whole nother segment, Elise. Definitely. <laughs> so this is Michael Rosen, and I was listening to Elise and Katrina have their conversation. And like Katrina, I've known Elise for many, many years, and she's a very, very dear friend. One time, I had a case that ended up in front of Elise. I don't know if she remembers it or not, but I never ever ply on a friendship, but when you know somebody, it's an easier conversation to have. And I'm not gonna go into the details of the case, but I'm going to pay Elise a public compliment because I went in there with my best knee pads, soft shoes, and anything that I could use with top hat and cane to convince her not to charge my client or to charge my client with a lesser offense. And she sat there and she looked at me. She said, I read the report and I'm not changing anything. And I had to, I had to really compliment her for that because it was the right call, notwithstanding all of the valid arguments that I had. But, you know, she, she was true to her job. And, and, you know, our friendship aside, it didn't matter. And she simply said, look, this is the case and this is the report. And you can argue with anybody else, but I'm not changing it. So while I was listening to Elise talk, I thought I would share that because um, I was always impressed with that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Primetime Crime, the podcast. Follow us on Facebook at Primetime Crime and on Instagram and Twitter at Primetime Crime underscore. Post your comments and tell us what true crime stories you'd like to hear about. Subscribe to Primetime Crime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Thanks a lot.